God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Serena Williams did not want you at her wedding. If you lived in New Orleans this week, besides the election, there was that. Serena Williams, if you don't know who she is, all-star tennis player, maybe the greatest tennis player of all time, had her wedding in New Orleans. And the beginning of the week, it said somewhere in New Orleans, and they're, they're not going to tell you where it is because she doesn't want you there. Well, they didn't say that, but that's the implication. Why would she tell everyone where it was if she didn't want them there? And we got little clues and tips as to what this wedding would be like. We knew it would be glamorous. We knew it would be expensive. We knew that the, the theme would be Beauty and the Beast. We knew that there would be A-listers there, like Beyonce but we never really knew where it was until, of course, someone leaked it. And then everyone knew where it was. So did you go down and try to see Serena? No one did? Maybe you know someone who would do that, who was so intent on just getting a glimpse of all the stars that they would go down and, and wait, and hopefully, maybe they imagined that Serena would come out and start talking to them, and somehow, Invite them into the wedding. Well, if you had a friend like that, if you're like that, then you're delusional because that will never happen. <laughs> because Serena did not invite you to her wedding. And you'd have to stand there behind the police lines and look from a distance just to see maybe the guest. I'm not sure if she even went out into the street where people can see her. And you'd be left on the outside. But I have a secret. I know how you can get into every single A-lister's wedding. I know how you can get into every single person's wedding for that fact, if you know them. And not, not just know about them, but if you know them, like have a relationship with them. You know them and they know you and you're, you're on good speaking terms. That's all you have to do. You think you could do that with Serena? I, I don't think we can. She's, she's so far distance from us, we can't get to her, we can't build that relationship because thousands and thousands of people want to have that same relationship we have with her, but she can't. She can't have all those relationships, so everyone at that wedding was people that she knew, that were family, that were friends, and we weren't there because we didn't know her. But I could tell you, it was glamorous from the pictures I've seen. Is probably ex exciting and just elegant. And that's what celebrations are. And I wouldn't give up the chance to go to a celebration because it, it's a good thing to celebrate. Especially if the celebration is about you. So if you think back to your wedding day or your future wedding day, the celebration is going to be about you. And everyone is going to be caring for you and giving you gifts and thinking about you. And it's just kind of a good feeling. If you have a birthday, the birthday is about you. If you have a celebration, a homecoming celebration, the celebration is about you. You feel special. You feel wanted. And some people might say, that's the kind of feeling I want every day. To have that sort of feeling, to be celebrated in my life, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if that was not just a day thing, but a lasting thing? Well, today, Jesus talks about a celebration that isn't just a day thing. He talks about a celebration that is a lasting thing, 
And coincidentally, he compares it to a wedding feast. Today in the gospel you heard read, we hear a parable about the ten virgins. And as we heard that parable, it's all about a celebration. But if you notice, it's not really describing the celebration itself. It's describing the work up to the celebration. It's describing the events before the celebration. And Jesus is doing that today to encourage and strengthen us, to motivate us to look forward to this celebration that's to come for all Christians. And my guess is he doesn't describe the celebration in detail here or anywhere in Scripture because human language really can't describe what it's going to be like. Where Serena's wedding was probably glamorous and wonderful and A-lister weddings are, are expensive and extravagant, they pale in comparison to the celebration that Christ will give that day when we meet him again. We get to go and be with him in his heavenly mansion in heaven in eternity. But beforehand, he can use human terms to describe the, the, the path, the journey up until that celebration. He gives us this parable. Ten virgins. Ten he calls wise, ten he calls foolish. The ten wise one he describes as wise because they have not only lamps ready and prepared for when this bridegroom comes, but they have extra oil too. Preparing in advance, thinking maybe he'll come at a time that is later than I expected him, and so I'll wait for him and I'll prepare just in case it takes longer. Then the five that were foolish. They had their lamps and it was burning for a while, but that's all they brought. No extra oil, no extra fuel for their lanterns. And we begin to see how important preparation is for celebration. Because in this parable, he's not, God's not talking to the world, unbelievers and believers the same. He's specifically talking to believers. He gives us this, this parable so that we understand how important preparation is. Because sometimes we get away without preparing. Sometimes we're good at not preparing. Maybe you're one of those people who can stand up in front of someone if you, you have a speech to give or a presentation to give and you forgot to study and prepare for it, maybe you can stand up and you can wing it. And it can go well. In those cases, maybe we don't have to prepare so much. Maybe there, there are other things that you don't really have to prepare for. Maybe the cold weather comes and you're reactive to the cold weather. So now, when the cold weather comes, you go and prepare and get your coats and get all warm and turn on your thermostat. You weren't prepared but you can prepare later. But it doesn't work for everything. In some cases, if you're not prepared, that's life or death, right? One instance that sticks in my mind is about a year ago, I think a family decided to jump on a sailboat and sail across the ocean. About an hour into the trip, they had to call the Coast Guard because they weren't prepared even an hour in. If they would have kept on sailing and sailing, it would have been life or death for them. And that's the very thing that Jesus is describing for us here. For these virgins, preparation was vital. Because this is what happened. 
they all fell asleep. It got late. The, the gr- bridegroom didn't come at the time that they expected. And, and so all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, someone calls out, the bridegroom is here, the bridegroom is here. And they wake up, and five of them have extra oil and trim their lamps and pour the oil on their lamps, and they're ready to go and join the celebration and walk with the bridegroom into this feast. But then, sadly, five of them didn't have oil. Five of them couldn't go out and meet this bridegroom and walk into the celebration because they weren't prepared. They didn't have what they needed, and, and as the parable goes, they went, and they, they went to buy oil, and they went back to the door of the celebration. They pounded on the door and said, Sir, sir, let me in. And the bridegroom said, No, I don't know who you are. They were left on the outside because they weren't prepared. They didn't have what they needed to get into that celebration. And it's a sad thing that Jesus gives this parable today because this this is going to happen. He gives it to us because he wants to encourage us and remind us and warn us as believers, these ten virgins represent us here today. All of them were looking forward to this celebration. That celebration just wasn't a wedding feast. It was the feast of going to be with God in heaven where Jesus even said to his disciples, I'm not going to drink this wine with you until we drink it together in heaven. This celebration that pales in comparison to any sort of celebration that happens here, any wedding feast, any A-list celebrity wedding, that's what Christians wait for and look forward to. We can't wait for the time that Christ comes. He is the bridegroom that we're waiting on, and when he comes, the call will go out. He's come, he's come, but will we be ready? Will we have the oil, so to speak, that we can trim our lamps and go out and meet him? Or do we find that our lamps are dry? God means to say here, Jesus means to say, His preparation is vital. He reminds us this because as Christians, we're so tempted to think, I already have the ticket. I already have my way on, my way into the the feast. As long as I believe in Jesus as my Savior, then I can go into this feast. And that is true. But if we rely on that to carry us through the time that we wait, he says it's dangerous. If we rely only on a simple faith and don't encourage and strengthen it and grow it by regularly studying God's word and hearing his word and and doing devotions at home and encouraging one another as saints, if we don't regularly do that, that simple, very basic faith, though it is enough to get in, might one day be snuffed out. To think that we can survive on only a simple belief is to think like a foolish virgin. Because we don't prepare for what we need now, preparation looks to what we will need when Christ comes. 
And that's exactly what he is talking about with these wise virgins. They not only had what they needed for right then, their torches were, were, were burning, but they also got a jar of oil so to expect that maybe it will take a long time for them to wait. And then when he comes, they will be ready. And so they got more than they could need, and then they poured on their, their jars or on their lanterns, and they would light them up. They encouraged that simple faith by pouring on God's word in their lives by hearing what God has to say for them every day, by understanding that a simple faith by itself can be one that's attacked and abused. By growing in faith in God's word, you build a foundation around it and strengthen it and fortify it. Gaining your, your own oil, so to speak, so that no, longer, no, no matter how long it takes for this bridegroom to come, no longer how long it takes for Christ to come back, when that call goes out, says, he's here, he's here, there not only do I have simple faith, but a strong faith, encouraged, grown, and strengthened by God's word. This is the greatest celebration that we can look forward to. And God doesn't say, let's just hang on to this celebration by a thread. He says, let's, let's not just go about this by, and fly by the seat of our pants, just trying to get one thing after another in, in preparation for Christ. At the last moment, he says, if it's the last moment, it's too late. He'll be left knocking on the door saying, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I do not know you. Your lantern went out. That simple faith extinguished. He encourages us. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's not hanging on by a thread. That's, that's growing. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's that's not just sitting back and waiting. That's actively coming to hear God's word and take part in his sacraments. He says, bind these words on your forehead and on your hearts. Imprint them on your hearts. That's not just thinking, my confirmation was good enough for me. That's thinking every day I need to reaffirm these truths in my heart. And as I do, I'm preparing and preparing and preparing so I have my jar of oil. He says, even prepare to the point where you're able, able to share with others the same preparation you have taken. Or he says, teach your children. Go and, and make disciples. All of you, you should be teachers. Prepare to the point where you can be certain that when Christ comes, you won't be waning in faith because so often it's a temptation of us Christians to be separate of God's word and all of a sudden the words of the world and the words of God seem to be intermixed and all of a sudden maybe our faith slowly wanes away all of a sudden we're left wondering are we truly saved is Christ really coming anchor yourself in God's word 
and you will know. You'll be confident that he's coming and that you have the ticket to get into that celebration because he's invited us and he's given us his son, which is the entryway into the feast. Today we get to celebrate some of those people who have gone before us into that feast. Saints triumphant. Those who have been part of this congregation and yet have passed on to glory to be with Christ. And we look at them as an example and as a reminder. They were prepared. Because they came to hear God's word. They studied God's word in their home. Some of them maybe even taught God's word in Sunday school and to those around them, to their children. And so when we look at this list of people who have gone before us, think, Lord, help us to prepare. Give us the strength to continue studying your word and growing and nurturing that flame that you have given us through your word, through your sacrament, through encouragement of other Christians and saints. So that on that day when they call out, he's here, he's here, we trim our lamps and we go out to greet him. And we go into a celebration that no human words can describe. A celebration that we get to enjoy with those who have gone before us and those who will come after us. A celebration that causes any other celebration in this world to pale in comparison. And we get to do that every day for eternity. Hear an encouragement from Christ himself. Keep your lamps trimmed. Keep that oil going. If you find yourself separate from God's word, get back into God's word because it's important for you. And that is the fuel that keeps our faith strong and keeps us trusting in that simple faith that Christ died for us and so we are saved. You're not welcome to Serena Williams' wedding, but you are welcome to Christ's wedding. His wedding feast. He has given that to you, and he encourages us. Let us make it all the more certain as we grow in faith, cling to the truths so that nothing can take it from us. May we do so today and every day of our lives. Through Christ Jesus, amen. amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed printed for you on page 5 in your bulletin. We confess our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe, Holy Spirit, 
the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.